Um, you know, when we were in Omaha uh, for the College World Series, never got a chance to talk to this guy. Ran into him in the hall, said hello. But our pleasure to bring in Eduardo Perez. You always see him uh, on ESPN talking baseball, and he's also uh, on Sirius Radio as well. Eduardo, good to have you here. Thanks for doing this. Uh, good to have me. Uh, to be honest, it's good to be here with you. And uh, happy New Year! It's it's going to be a fun fun season. Last year, it's going to be tough to repeat, but uh, it's good. I haven't seen you since the College World Series, so yep. thanks for having me on. You got it. Um, this, I guess, the the off season, Eduardo, starts and ends with, you know, the the two big free agents, and I have a sneaking suspicion this is going to linger on a little bit. Where do you see this going, and do you see this as a trend where free agents last a little bit longer, or is it just you know one of those years when this happens? Well, last year we were saying the same thing True. because we were waiting for some trades and everything, and I think this is the same thing that's happened this year. Where some of the trades that teams have looked and gone after value, uh, that, that has delayed the process for a lot of the top-tier free agents. I think uh, we heard Philadelphia early say that we were going to be stupid about spending money, and we really haven't seen that besides them acquiring Andrew McCutcheon, and um, they were aggressive with that standpoint. That still doesn't take them out of the Bryce Harper market. That still doesn't take them out of the Manny Machado market. I think Manny will sign before Bryce. I think, uh, again, a lot of uh, J.T. Realmuto situation delayed a lot of things with catchers. There's a lot of free agents this year that are catchers that have yet to sign. And, again, right in the middle of everything is Scott Boris. And Scott is going to, to, to be as diligent as possible with his free agents. He was last year with J.D. Martinez, and he will again this year with Bryce Harper. And, um, you know, the reports we've all, we already had heard about the, the Nationals offering the 10-year, $300 million deal. Will that be the best that Bryce Harper is going to get? I don't think so. I think he's going to get better deals. I think the Chicago White Sox are going to be very aggressive uh, with their offer. I think the Phillies have to be aggressive after ownership said what they were going to be doing with their money. So that being said, the Yankees are still in it. But Brian Cashman is going to look at his analytics. He's going to trust it. They've invested a lot in it. And they are not going to be giving extra years on the And he's not going to go against what the analytics department says. So that's going to be interesting also to see what Brian Cashman and the New York Yankees do. Edward, let's talk about some things uh, off the field, so to speak, that might be addressed. Uh, Let me get your thoughts on, uh, you know, shifting players, you know, all of that. Uh, Do you think anything will be done or will that still be allowed to happen? You know, the more I hear about it, and um, a lot of top people are are now pushing for something to be done there, I kind of like the shifting aspect of it. I, I believe that this is a game, uh, a cliché-ish game of this, uh, that you hear all the time, of this is being a game of adjustments. To me, shifting is, is and we saw it, and I was part of it. I was with the Houston Astros in 2013. Uh, no one shifted more than the Houston Astros that year, and I was in charge of the shifting of the team. Uh, again, 2014, they continued to do it. I see teams now trending on that aspect of it, and I see teams 
actually losing a little bit of interest in it, like the Chicago Cubs, where it's not so much about the shift. And we're talking Joe Madden here. Mm-hmm. It's more about positioning the players in the right situation, depending on counts. Listen, hitters have to make the adjustment too here. The pitchers are getting stronger. They're throwing with high v low. Hitters aren't making the adjustment of just taking the hit the other way. And there's value in that because organizations realize that they'd rather give up a single and give up that double or give up that home run. That being said, this is why we're seeing a lot more strikeouts because hitters are now trying to get under the baseball a little bit more. Hence comes a swing and miss. Um, I like it, um, but I know there are those baseball purists that want to see the game go back a little bit more to where it was, play it straight up, see that seeing eye single a little bit more than what it that what it has been in the last few years. And um, they talk about it being a disadvantage to left-handed hitters. I don't see it that way. I see it more as it being just the game evolving, and eventually it'll continue to evolve, and organizations and players will try to get an edge any which way they can. Um, I think it would be unfortunate if baseball would, would ban the shifting altogether. Uh, Eduardo, it's interesting to me uh, to, to, to talk about this tanking thing. We've, Houston uh, you know, was really bad for a few years, and then with terrific draft selections and players working out, we all know what happened with Houston. But I want to ask this from a player standpoint. I, I understand Eduardo, a pro's a pro. He signs a contract. He makes his money. His job is to go play baseball to the best of his ability. But as a player, is it hard to play on a team with an organization that you know is tanking? Is it hard? Um, I think it's a mental grind. I, again, I was 2013. We lost 11, uh, 111 games. Yeah. Our payroll at one point was $14.4 million, our <laughs> payroll wow. overall. Wow. Uh, that just tells you, and that was like at the end of the year when we traded Bud Norris and all those guys. But, yes, it was. It, it's tough, but at the same time, it's an opportunity, and you have to be able to seize it. Jose Altuve seized that opportunity. Frank uh, Peacock seized that opportunity. Dallas Keuchel, uh, Marwin Gonzalez, and that is what you preach to you guys. Yes, it's tough to lose, but you, got, you better show up because we're still evaluating to find out who are the guys that are going to be here? That are going to be there when the team is good, when the team is relevant. There were four guys from that um, championship team with the Houston Astros, the 2017 team, that were there, um, that were there the whole time, that saw the process come from the beginning all the way to finally putting a ring on your finger. So it is a tedious process, but you're given an opportunity, and that's the part that you have to really. Um, embrace and understand that your job is to be able to give the best you can, not only to the team, but also to your family in in order to survive in the league as long as you can. Our guest, Eduardo Perez, you see him covering baseball for ESPN, also uh, on Sirius Radio, talking baseball as well. Eduardo, I want to talk about the the Hall of Fame. Um, Harold Baines... I, we all know how long he played, professional hitter, good guy, too, seemingly. I was a little bit surprised he was elected by the Veterans Committee, given 
you know, war and all these other things now that go into the selection. Um, were you surprised by that? And then what do you see outside of Mariano Rivera for the 19 class? Um, was I surprised? Not really. And it's because of the, the people that were in the room, the Veterans Committee. They don't see it the same way as the writers do. Um, they, they, they are teammates. They are, um, they are players that played against them. They are players that value the, the guy in uniform a lot differently than the, than, than the reporter, you could say. Um, they are, than the media. They are, they are owners. They are people that see the game and see the person and the value for, uh, in a different standard than that guy, than that guy that is voting for those 10 years. I think this is why there is a veterans committee because you look at all those little aspects of that former player or the former general manager or the former manager or, um, or, or as, as it is the executive and you go in there and you vote and you discuss it. And I think this is exactly what happened in that veterans committee. The arguments going back and forth to be able to get Lee Smith voted, to be able to get uh, voted in, to be able to get Harold Baines voted in. Um, again, they had their reasons. You go to baseball reference and the first person actually you put in Harold Baines and the per- first person that comes up on the list similar to Harold Baines, you know who it is? It's Tony Perez. That's my father. And wow. he was voted in on the 10th year of eligibility of the Hall of Fame. So I can't go in and say, well, because he was primarily a DH, he shouldn't get in. The, the value has changed. We're going to see Big Poppy get in as a DH. We're going to see this year Edgar Martinez get in as a designated, primarily as a designated hitter. The, the value of the designated hitter, the respect that it has come into since it was incorporated into Major League Baseball in the, in the early 70s has changed significantly in baseball. So the answer is, to me, not surprised at all. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed by the way people have come out on an outrage saying um, that Harold Baines does not belong or surprised that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He was voted in by the Veterans Committee. Orlando Cepeda, my godfather, was voted in by the Veterans Committee. So as I see it, I see it, and I'm, I'm disappointed more that it has been, uh, there's been an outrage about Harold Baines uh, getting voted in. Now, the second part of the question that you had asked me, uh, besides Mariano Rivera, I definitely could see Mike Messina this year getting in, uh, just uh, probably around the 76, 77 percentile of votes. Uh, Edgar Martinez should get in this year on his 10th year of eligibility. I think he, uh, I think what he meant to the Northwest and to the Seattle Mariners uh, was big. I think he was able to survive in the league and make everyone in the, his team better. And he defined what a designated hitter was all about in the 90s. So I see Edgar Martinez getting in. I'm really glad, Eduardo, I asked you that question about Baines. Because I think to the average baseball fan, there there is surprise. But wasn't Tony Larusa in that room? You know, as you said, managers, players. That I think people forget the makeup of the veterans committee and and what its purpose is for. And I think how you said that's very well said. So really glad I asked you that well, question. Yeah. yeah, I mean you have you have historians. Tim Kirchin, a colleague of mine, is, was in that room. Um, you have 
Tony LaRusso was in that room. Jerry Reinsdorf was in that room. Uh, Roberto Alomar was in that room. I mean, I can go on and on with names, but these are guys that played against Harold Baines. These are guys that played with, managed Harold Baines, and actually was paid, uh, signed the check that Harold Baines, um, you know, played for. So, so yes, I, it, it doesn't surprise me. I think those guys knew him better and understand what it takes to be a Hall of Famer. Um, so, so that being said, it, it doesn't surprise me one bit. Okay. Uh, Eduardo, it's great to have you on. I appreciate you talking some baseball with us today. Thank you. And uh, love to have you back on again sometime as the season goes along. And maybe we'll see you in Omaha. Well, you got it. Uh, Well, I'll tell you right now, Coach O'Sullivan's got a heck of a squad every year representing well um, with the Gators. And in that tough SEC, he continues to produce pitching, continues to bring in quality uh, position players, it wouldn't be a surprise to see you guys again in Omaha. Okay. Edward, I'll thank you for your time. All right. Take care. You got it. Good dude. And uh, that's why you have guests. Because I, I got to tell you, Harold, ba- Harold Baines was a professional hitter, well-liked, but his name didn't roll off as a Hall of Famer. But that's a player there whose father – obviously, is in the Hall of Fame. It gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? Really cool. Um, Patrick said, who's your all-time favorite baseball player? Um, Patrick, that's hard. Sometimes it's, you know, who who you grew up with. And, you know, Mickey Mantle, for me, uh, and Tom Seaver, for me, but then when I got to meet Roger Maris and his family, um, what a class guy. Um, he rose up in those ranks too. Um, top of my head, it'd be them. 1247, time check brought to you by Hayes Jewelry. The rest of the day, it's us. So pick up the phone, get you, let your fingers do the walking on the email, and we get Facebook Live questions too here on Sports.